Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. Oh, okay. We are all here. Awesome. All right. Well, good to see you all. Good to be here this evening. And uh, thank you for keeping us up in your prayers and support over the years. And it's uh, good to be here again. Uh, unfortunately, I came through on a second round on our trip in Australia, but uh, praise the Lord for his goodness to us. And uh, we were down in Coffs Harbour this morning, and now we're back up to here, and then tomorrow we've got to drive back down again. Uh, my bad planning. Don't worry about that. Uh, but praise the Lord for his goodness to us. And uh, let's open in a word of prayer, shall we, before we look into... God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, that we can come together, we can meet in this place, Lord, and we can meet around your word. We thank you, Lord, for um, that there is a church here in this place, Lord, and thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness and that there is a light shining out here in Grafton, Lord, and we just pray uh, for the church that it can continue to grow and work in the community, community, Lord, and we just thank you for this time. Pray help us now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, if you want to grab your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 13. And Luke chapter 13, and uh, Jesus is talking, and he's talking to people. Funnily enough, that's what Jesus did a lot of, wasn't it? Talking to people everywhere he went. He was always talking to people. People everywhere. And I'll give you a second to turn there, because um, I'll get halfway through the passage reading it before you've turned there if I keep going. So Luke chapter 13 and verse 22, and we'll read it down and we'll go through this passage. And it says, And he went through the cities and villages, that's Jesus by the way, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And he said, uh, Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We've eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God and behold there are last which shall be first and there are first which shall be last. Amen. Uh, that's quite a striking passage really when you study through that and when you read through that and what Jesus is actually saying. Uh, somebody, Jesus is travelling around and he's going through the villages and the cities and he's teaching as he goes around. He's heading towards Jerusalem and he's talking to the Jewish people and someone says, he asked, they ask him a question. Um, you've always got to pay attention when somebody asks Jesus a question um, because sometimes they're genuine, sometimes they're not. Uh, sometimes they're trying to trick him in his words and he always answers them and then everyone's too scared to ask him more questions. I really love how he does that. It's so good. And someone asks him, Lord, are there few 
that be saved? There is a legitimate question there, and he's asking, what's going to happen here? How many people are going to be saved? You know, and, and you know, thinking about what they're thinking about Jesus, you know, he's going to be the Messiah and the conqueror and all this. And, and so he, his, his answer would have been quite strange, I think, to these people. And, and he says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. That's not really the answer I was asking for. I was kind of hoping you were going to give me a figure like 42,675,002 or something like this. You know, how many people are going to be saved? And Jesus is saying here, he's saying, watch for yourselves. He says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Um, he's talking to religious people. Think about religious people. Uh, religious people, they're always uh, the Jews, very religious people. Uh, and and they're, they're, he's always, think about Jesus, how he's pronouncing these wows on, woes on the Pharisees and the, and the scribes are saying, woe unto you. It says, you, you, you stop people from coming in who would and you yourself aren't even going to go in. He says, enter in at the straight gate. He says, be careful. He says, strive. Strive to enter in. Strive means to, to work for it, to fight for it. If you're striving with somebody, you're fighting. Uh, if you're wrestling, you know, you, you don't want to get pinned down and you're striving. And God's saying, strive to enter in at the gate. O go in while it's open. Strive to enter in because there's going to be a time when it's shut. That's a scary thought, isn't it? One day the door will be shut. Uh, people just think we've got so much time on our hands. And um, one time a friend of mine said, when I'm old and dying, I'll get saved. Oh, you don't know if you're going to get old. You know, this guy, he's a friend of mine and we used to hang out together. And so there was a couple of moments where we almost didn't get to get old. Um, but you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know when your door is going to close at that time. I'm going to tell you a story uh, about someone in Papua New Guinea, and it's kind of like a strange story. You might hassle me afterward for telling you this, but uh, I'm going to tell you a, a story, okay? And um, this guy, he comes up to my house, and he knocks on the door, and he says, my papa is sick. Can you take him to the hospital? And I'm like, well, I need to go and see him first because people want to come up and get free rides to the hospital all the time, you know, you know, stubbed toe, a headache or something like this, or they legitimately need to go to hospital. And so we went down, I went down and the nurse just got back who lives on the station there and we went down to visit this man and um, there was two people who wanted to go to the hospital, one lady, we visited her and she wasn't too sick, she didn't need to get taken to the hospital. But we went down to this old man's house and he was sick. Uh, he was super sick. We thought he was, so we were surprised he was going to be alive. And so me and the nurse, we went down and we looked at this guy and he's laying on his bed in his little grass house and um, dying, literally. He's got the, the, the death rattle going. He's about to die. And we look at him and, and I look at the nurse and I know that this guy needs to go to the hospital. And she looks at me and goes, I said, yeah, well, we'll take him to the hospital. But it's getting late now into the afternoon. We'll take him first thing tomorrow morning, come up to our house and uh, we'll take him to the hospital, no worries. And so we went back to that other house where that lady was and said, well, we're going to the hospital, take this guy, we might as well take you as well. Uh, we're going to the hospital. And so we go home and I'm prepared to go to the hospital at 7.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning, whatever. 
um, to jump in the car, take this guy to the hospital. And really early, about 6.30 or so, 7 o'clock in the morning, there's a knock on the door and here's this man. And, and we're going to take his dad to the hospital. And, and he goes, no, don't worry about it. Papa died. He died this morning. I'm like, oh, oh no worries. And I said, we said, you, he needed to go to the hospital months ago. He was so sick. And, and we said, oh, okay, all right. He's like, no worries. Uh, don't worry about it. He's died, so, oh, okay, sorry, brother. So he, he goes down, back down home and I come in and tell Sarah I'm not going to the hospital. The man died. And so we sat there and, you know, about a couple hours later, I get a little bag of food together, some rice and some noodles, and I go down to go and see the family, you know, and go and visit them. And I walk in the house, go down, and um, walk in across, you know, it's down the mountain, across through a river and up through and into this grass house. And uh, they're all in there, the family, and they're all sitting around, you know, it's only very small, about as big as this kind of area. And there's a platform and a fireplace in the middle of the doorways there and a bed and, and this man is laying here sitting here laying here not sitting laying and uh so i walk in and i sit down next to him there he is in the fireplace and all the people they're all sitting around and they're feeling their 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 mourning the loss of their father their grandfather and so i'm sitting there and i brought some food down and i you know come and pray with you guys and sorry about your father and and give them the food and sit down and pray and i was down there for some time talking to them and you can't help but kind of look over the side like this, you know. And there's their grandpa, their papa, who's died and he's laying there. And I'm sitting next to him and I'm telling these people and I'm trying to, you know, pray with them and talk with them and they want to know about stuff and, and they're grieving, you know. And, and then I'm looking at him and I look and I see his stomach just going... So up and down these tiny little breaths, just not even his chest. And, and I'm not sure at first. And we're talking, and they're talking, and we're talking. You know, did I see that? Now look at his chest, no chest movement at all, no deep breaths, just these really shallow, just the stomach, just. And I'm thinking, for sure, he's breathing. And so how, how do you bring this around? You know, like, so, uh, yeah, Papa, he's not dead. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, no, he's dead. We're just waiting for his liver to stop pumping. And I'm like, oh, what happened? You, you, you came up this morning. You said he dead. He died. And they said, yeah, he's died. We were, we were getting him dressed, we, were going, we washed him and we were putting clothes on him, we were going to put him in a stretcher and carry him up to your house and he collapsed and he died and he passed out or went into a coma or something. And, and sure enough, this guy is still alive. He's breathing. And this is about three and a half, four hours after I was going to take him to the hospital. And I'm thinking, he's not dead. And they're like, yeah, he is. And I'm going, well, he's not. He's still breathing. And, and then he starts moaning. He's like, oh. And I'm just going, oh, man, this, guy, this guy's not even dead. They're waiting for him to die. And, and I'm getting, uh, 
Well, what do you do? Where's that Bible college course, Pastor? Yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? I've got a few Bible college courses, new ones for you guys to put out for missionaries. And anyway, so this guy is about to die. Literally, he's, you don't know. He's going to, and uh, then he's breathing, and he, I don't know if he became, he knew I was there, and then he became more conscious, and then he started talking, and he's laying there. And so I'm thinking, this guy is going to die. How I can't just sit here talking about whatever while this guy is about to die. And then how do you, without putting too much pressure on him, going, oh, you better get saved before you die, we'll probably kill him. And, and so this guy, and I'm going, we need to change the conversation here. And I've said, we can take him to the hospital. And I'm like, ah, he doesn't need to go to the hospital. I'm like, fine. I'm going to tell you a story. And I started telling my testimony about how I got saved. Because this guy is about to die and slip off into eternity. And he's a religious person. He's a Seventh-day Adventist man. And he doesn't know the Lord. And I'm thinking, this guy could die at any minute sitting right behind me. He needs to hear the gospel. I don't want him to stand before God. And the last words that he heard the missionary tell him some random story about nothing. So I've started telling my story, my testimony about how I got saved. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about it. And I got saved when I was nine years old. I got saved on John 3.16, you know. Uh, great verse. I opened up the Bible and read it out in pigeon and, you know, for God so loved the world. You know, my Sunday school teacher made it real clear. For God so loved Chris that he gave his only begotten son that when Chris believes in him, he should not perish but have everlasting life, you know. And I'm like trying to go, you know, have everlasting life. You don't want to perish, you know. And tell him the story about what the Lord has done and how he'd led us. And I'm, I'm just trying to preach to this guy and everyone in the house as this guy has his last moments of life. What would your last conversation be with somebody in a situation like that? Would you make it count? Or would you start talking about cars or something like this? And, and so I'm kind of going, wow, what do you do? And then, and then they start talking. He murmured something over there and his daughters. And then they're talking in the house, in talk place, in their language. It's only small. There's several people, probably 15 or 20 people or so in the house. And, and then they're talk place. That's their local language. Not pigeon, but that's their local language. And I don't really know their local language. And, and there's a bit of a discussion going back and forth, so I stop and listen and wait. And they're kind of arguing a little bit. You can tell what's going on. They're a bit tense. And then this guy says, all right, Chris, can you take him to the hospital? I'm like, yeah, I can take him to the hospital. I was going to anyway. We can do it now. And he goes, you want to? And they're like, yeah, well, he wants to go to the hospital. And I'm like, well, okay. So I ran back up home through the village, walked in the door, said, I'm going to the hospital. Sarah says, who are you taking? I said, this guy. She says, I thought he died. Said, so did I, but he's not. So I get the car up on the driveway, up on the road, and there, some way in the bush, they're going to get this guy on a stretcher and carry him up. Carry him up through the bush. They had to go down the mountain, across the river, and up and up and up. They were over there. They didn't come up through the valley over here, through the village, and, and I parked the car here and opened the back doors, and I've got it all ready, and you can see him. They're carrying him up over that mountain over there, and, and this guy comes out of the bush, that same guy again. And he goes, no, nah, Chris. Shut the door. And he goes and shuts the door of the car. And he said, he's, he's dead. And I'm a bit sceptical by this point. 
and I'm saying, are you sure he's dead? And he's like, yeah, he's died. I said, he's really died this time. And then they're walking back down the mountain. And I'm thinking, only in New Guinea. And I'm thinking, okay, so he's died. And he's like, yep, no worries, Chris. You know, you were trying to help us. You want to do what you can. We should have taken him to hospital a long time ago, uh, but we didn't. He didn't want to go to hospital. Uh, you know, they're so proud that they refuse to get on a truck that sick and go to the hospital. They don't want people to see them. And, and that cost them their lives. And, and so this guy goes down, and sure enough, he, were, he had died. He, he died. And, and it was sad, you know, and the family were grieving and it was sad. And, and, and this guy was a religious person who died. I don't know, you know, we don't want to say he didn't accept the Lord. I didn't lead him to the Lord. I got to give my testimony, got to share a few verses about what the Lord had done, preached to him a little bit in this last dying moment. And you just kind of go, well, the Lord knows and pray for the family and tell them that they also need to get saved. And, uh, but when you read these passages where it says, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say, will seek to enter in and shall not be able to when once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door. There's going to be a time when the door is shut. The door is shut. Uh, in a situation like that when you die, we don't know when the door will be shut and the Lord will shut the door and then it's going to be too late. And, and you can't stand up there and they saying, oh, Lord, Lord. And this is what Jesus is saying. It's going to be too late. You can't then, oh, last minute, oh, I just shut it. Oh, I haven't locked it yet. Oh, you can come in. No way. Once that door is shut, you need, it's too late. It's too late. And I fear for people who are going to stand up. They've been standing around that door. That door has been open for how many years? Uh, kids sitting in churches, the door is open. And we're milling around this door, aren't we? And the door is always there and everyone's standing around the door. And there's only a few people that go in, isn't there? Not everyone goes in. Only a small percentage of people actually go in and get saved and call on the Lord and lots of people like the idea and uh, they want to have the benefits of heaven I mean who doesn't want to go to heaven you ask an unsaved person and they'll all tell you that they want to go to heaven but they don't want to give up the world and they don't want to go and make this step and step in see there's a battle going on at the gate here isn't there and that's why Jesus said strive to enter in strive to enter in because one day that gate is going to be shut and then as soon as it's shut it's too late and oh no I was going to go in but I didn't I always wanted to go in uh, but now it's shut it's too late oh you know Lord oh I've been in church my whole lives look at what it says in verse 25 it says when once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door <coughs> and you begin to stand without and to knock on the door, to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. Open up. The door's shut. Oh, it was open. And then like, however, whenever the, the Lord comes back and you die and the door's shut, oh, you will know as soon as that door is shut, I believe. It will be shut. 
and there is no way and people will knock at the door and say, I always wanted to go in, uh, but I never did. And uh, I was standing here, but all my friends, they were holding me back and saying, don't go in. Or my family was holding me back saying, don't go in. Or if you go in there, we'll cut you off out of the family. Or And you know this happens, it's true. Uh, you people, Hindus, if they get saved, Muslims, if they get saved, they're genuinely faced with these issues. Uh, if, they, if they go in and get saved, their family will cut them off, even kill them. And, and so there's this battle going on here, a battle for your life, a battle for your souls to go in the gate before it's too late and then the door's going to shut and everyone's going to go, Oh, Lord! Oh! Oh, how many people have done that? Got to the shops too late. Oh, too late. Oh, well, this isn't getting to the shops too late. This is eternity. Oh, man, you don't want to be late for eternity, do you? When the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door. And verse 26 says, And you begin to say, Oh, we've eaten and we've drunk in thy presence. And thou hast taught in our streets. You know, they're going to be like, Oh, Jesus, you know, we were there thinking of the disciples and the Jews at this time. You know, these people who seek Jesus for the miracles. You know, he fed 5,000 men with bread and fish. And then the next day they're walking around and Jesus says, you're only coming because you want bread. You don't want me. You just want the miracles. You just want the benefits. And they're going to be the people. Lord, we ate with you, remember? Lord, you taught in our streets. We heard you. Oh, Lord, we were with you everywhere. I think of Judas Iscariot. Oh, Judas. He was there with Jesus. He heard all of his preaching, all of his teaching, all of his miracles got sent out. Read Matthew chapter 10. He got sent out with the disciples. And he, they, no one came back saying, Judas, he had no power. Whoa, what was he doing? Hey, we went out, we did miracles. We ate in your presence. You taught in our streets. We've been around you. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. Whoa, it's too late. It's too late. How scary would that be? How scary is that? Imagine having false assurance. Don't have a false assurance. Know for sure. Know for certainty that you're saved. You can know that you're saved. Or you're going into some kind of false religion and we have uh, all of these people and you see um, big Hindu parades. I saw pictures of one once and they were marching down. Oh, I don't know where they were. Somewhere in India and they had their big floats and their big idols of the big gods and then got a huge parade and they're going down into the Ganges River you know and they're God they're deceived they're deceived and they think they're doing the right thing and they're dedicated and they've spent their whole lives doing these things and they've given it all up and they've given sacrificially and they've become a monk or whatever like this but to the wrong God oh the wrong God they worship the wrong God there are people today who worship the wrong Jesus. The wrong Jesus. The Jesus of the Mormons isn't the same Jesus. The Jesus of the Seventh-day Adventists. The Jesus of the Catholics. The, it's not Jesus says many Jesuses will come. They will come. False prophets will come. False Christs will come. Don't be deceived. I've already told you. I'm telling you now, look out. 
But Jesus is saying, look out, don't be deceived. Sheep, uh, wolves will come dressed in sheep's clothing. They're not really sheep, they're only out. The devil is out to kill and to destroy and he's a thief and a murderer and that from the beginning was he an accuser of the brethren and he's there and there's this battle going on, a battle. That's why we need to strive to enter in because it's easy standing around here It's easy standing around the door. It's easy being a religious person. You kind of float around and in and out and you're, well, not in and out. I mean, you're just here and you're in and out of church and you kind of get the blessings and the privileges of being in church. and, And, but that's not it. It's not about religion. It's not about coming to church every Sunday. It's not about getting baptized. It's not about any of this stuff. It's not about giving. It's about knowing who the Lord is. It's about giving. And Jesus says, I am the door. Yeah, I'm the door. I'm the door of the sheepfold. And you come in through me. Yeah, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. No other God, no other Jesus, no other way to get to the Lord but through Jesus Christ. So don't be standing around while I go in while the door is there. I feel sorry for this man right in his last minutes of life. We don't know. I'm not saying anything, but I never led him to the Lord. And so you just hope. And, and his last minutes of life, you just, was there a confession? Was there an accepting of the Lord? You just, you just hope. And, and, and all of those years, he was an old man and he was holding around the door. And then the door was shut. And the door is shut. And you can't open it. You can't open that door. Once God has shut it, it's shut. You cannot open it. Hanging around Jesus, you're taught in our streets. We've eaten in thy presence. Oh, Lord, we were there. Verse 27, it says, But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. Whoa. Now, all these religious people, they're not, they're not bad people. We wouldn't call them workers of iniquity. God does. If you're not worshipping God, who are you worshipping? Yeah? No matter what religion, religious system you're in, you're either worshipping God or you're worshipping the devil. That's how God sees it. There is no in between. There is nothing else. He just says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. He's talking to the Jews at this point. Remember, you yourselves thrust out and the Pharisees and the religious people, the ones that think they're oh so good, uh, you read about that prayer, you know, um, Jesus says about the Pharisee who goes in to pray and goes, I am so good. I tithe. I don't, I'm not like this guy. And this guy is over here and he's praying and he's weeping and he's beating his chest and he's saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That guy was forgiven. Remember that? That was the guy who went home forgiven, not, not the Pharisee who went, I'm so good. And, and the, these people are the ones and, and they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and, and the, imagine it, oh no, I've missed out. That's what this is talking about. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out, they're going to be weeping and they're going to go, I missed out. I missed it. 
Why did I miss it? Oh, <coughs> I missed out. And verse 29, it says, And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God and behold, there are last which shall be first and there are first which shall be last. Talking about the Gentiles. They're talking about us. Praise the Lord. We are the Gentiles, aren't we? We're the church from the north and the south and the east and west. He's saying to these people that you had you had God here. He chose you and you've rejected God. And now all of these people throughout the whole world, they're all going to go in before you and you yourselves are going to be thrust out and you are going to be weeping for it. Whoa. I would hate to be a Pharisee, wouldn't you? Hate to be one of those religious people. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. Um, when we die, it's too late. And there's going to be an eternity of a, I should have, or a what if, or a why didn't I. Oh, wouldn't that be terrible? Knowing that you didn't have to be there. Oh. Knowing that you didn't have to be there. All because I was afraid of, of my mates. I was standing here and I wanted, and they were pulling me and they were teasing me and, and whatever and I was just too afraid. And I didn't want to do it. For whatever reason it is, we need to strive to enter in. Strive to enter in. Don't hold back. Don't wait. Don't put it off because you don't know how long we've got until the door shuts. And that's the trick of the devil, isn't it? doesn't always say, don't get saved. He says, okay, wait. Wait a while. Wait a bit. Wait until, you know, we get all sorts of excuses in New Guinea. There's an issue or there's a fight or oh, I'll, I'll get saved after the fight. Um, Dave Crow tells a story about this man. Uh, true story, actually. So does Peter, national pastor up there in Papua New Guinea who we work with in Cargo. And there was a man and he got his wife to wash his clothes ready for Sunday. He was going to come to church. He's got his wife to wash his clothes, to get it ready. So we've got to come to church, but first we've planned this raid out here on the Friday night, Saturday morning. We need to do this first, and then after that I'll come to church, and you can, you know what happened, don't you? He got killed out on that little battle. Oh, he waited too long. And that's what the devil does, doesn't he? Yeah. Don't go yet. No, you can't go. You're not good enough. But I knew a man, he was, I knew a man and he said, oh, I'll get saved once I get off drugs. No, he never got off drugs. He died. Don't get off drugs first. Get saved first. God can help you with the rest. Don't leave it till it's too late. Don't go out and do that last thing. Strive to enter in at the gate while it's open. Don't put it off. <coughs> Take it. Take the Lord by the hand and go in. He's the door. Amen. Don't, don't put it off. Don't be a religious person sitting around uh, talking to my kids, kids in church, growing up in church. Uh, you can be an independent Baptist unsaved kid missing the boat, so to speak. The door's shut, locked out. I went to church every time. I knew I knew what God would have me do, but I didn't do it. Don't be that person. Strive to enter in. If you're not saved, enter in. Because you don't want to put it off. You don't want to miss out. Once that door is shut, that's it. 
That's a scary thought, isn't it? Don't, don't go home. Don't go out of here if you're not doing that. And if you don't know, you can have assurance of your salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that you give us. We thank you, Lord, for saving us. That There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. It's because of what you've done for us and you've given us ample opportunity to come to you. Help us, Lord, work in our hearts and bring us to you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.